dear Katie and Nate. Thank you. I don't like church. Too often, it's fake, and things are not as they appear in Sunday service. I am a son of evangelicalism, and I've been involved with all of this for over 15 years. I spent 10 of those years volunteering and working for churches, and my time in this system has taken its toll on me. I am still dealing with issues of post-traumatic stress. Many church jobs have become lucrative professions. It's big business selling an impoverished Jew. And business as usual provides plenty of wealth and prestige. I don't even know who I'm supposed to blame at this point. The pastors or the people. Needless to say, the example of the church modeled in Acts is outright alien to its Western counterpart today. And this... This right here, this is just one of the many reasons I am cynical. So say hello. Hello to one of the many unraveling strands that have come apart in the knotted mess of my mind. These are not the kinds of churches that I want to be a part of. I don't want to be a part of this system. And had these been my only experiences with church or with God for that matter, I would have walked away from it all a long time ago. But I met Jesus in a van. At 17, I was a heavyset young man, recognized by my peers as someone who didn't quite fit in. I tried as many hairstyles and colors as I thought I could get away with during the early aughts, and had a stint wearing ripped (laughs) fingerless mittens during spring, because biker gloves weren't super available before the explosion of e-commerce. What they didn't see was my love for alternative music, the Bible, and 3 a.m. drives that would stretch longer and longer into the stillness of the night. Nearly every night of the week, after my parents had settled in for the evening, I would call Katie my best friend at the time, and for many years following, to make plans to endlessly drive around our little hometown. We called it cruising the route. No one would have put together these disparate streets and highways in any meaningful way. Those series of roads, wholly hidden to its thousands of daily drivers, are holy ground. The route has been the only real and consistent place that I encountered Jesus in my life. Getting out of my house to engage in this nearly nightly ritual was no easy task. It would have been preferable to leave out the front door, but I had two spazzes for dogs, and the faintest rattle of the handle would cause all hell to break loose. Then I would have to deal with, Where do you think you're going? Do you know what time it is? What are you thinking? You have school in the morning. So, I decided to let my parents sleep, and I found another way out each night. 
I lived in a split-level home, and my bedroom was in the basement. So the only option I was left with was the window in my bedroom. The tiny, (laughs) two-foot-tall, sliding window dang near the ceiling of my room. That window. As difficult and awkward of a process as this was, I became very good at making my escape. I would remove the screen from my window. The screen that would eventually disappear due to my adolescent negligence and regular removal and slide aside the pane of glass, exposing the open air of autonomy. Then it was a step up from my chair to my desk when at last my bedroom window would experience a profound and pregnant pause. It was about to give birth to the 275-pound kid it had done too many times before. Pushing aside porcelain knickknacks, stacks of CDs, an anime figurine, and the third-place trophy I got from sixth-grade baseball, I hoisted myself atop the six-inch ledge encircling my room, up and into the window, flutter-kicking my way to freedom. I slinked out from the side of my house, past my mother's menagerie of garden frogs, then a jaunt down the street to Katie and her idling crown Victoria. I loved that car. And then I loved the Chevy Lumina and the Ford Taurus, then the Dodge Caravan. When I would finally reach the dimly lit vehicle each night, it felt like the crisp, refreshing inhale that comes from turning your head after laying face first into a pillow for too long. Life was hard for me back then. School, church, family, and friends, they were all so suffocating. I could finally take off my mask. There was no reason to put on a front during those rides and pretend to be someone I wasn't. We would pull away into the night, taking a left out of my cul-de-sac, another left and a left down Lee Boulevard to Judson Bottom Road. After hitting the light, we would snake down the meandering road. We were always alone, except for the infrequent beams of oncoming cars and the floodlights of a few homes nuzzled amongst the sandstone bluffs. We would go for miles, taking a left at the T in the road, extending Judson across a bridge into open and endless farmland. We would go to the ends of that road, talking for hours on the dedicated shoulder or flipping around to continue our ride. Our times on the route were sacred, but straightforward. Katie and I, and later my younger brother Nate, would spend all night revolving around the same highways and scenic drives, desperate to escape the needle of our small town. We were dreaming dreams and outgrowing our adolescence. We talked about the Bible and listened to hundreds, if not thousands, of hours of music. Returning to Judson for the third time in a night, we would scream the alternative hymns of Five Iron Frenzy, Vroom, The Wedding, and countless others, singing until the mangled chords of our voice would only whisper. We met Jesus there and emptied ourselves to him. 
Our burgeoning faith was formed on this one notion. We would risk the decisions of our youth, our whole lives even, for the chance that Jesus was actually real and meant everything he said. This was our naive challenge to God, and I believe he showed himself to us. He provided the equipment the three of us needed to start a band, to begin our ministry, which, in my case, was probably the stolen and pawned left-handed bass guitar somehow sitting in my local shop. Jesus met me in a dream, and a friend of mine became a believer, which happened less than a week later. My longtime issue with anger faded, and my parents overcame addiction. The greatest of all was the genuine community I had with Katie and my brother. We were collectively endeavoring to follow Jesus, to leave a legacy. Judson again, returning the way we came, back to the light, then right onto the highway. We would drive past our high school and eventually onto 33, the road our early drummer lived off of, a friend I still miss. I could see his house from the heights of the hill every time we passed. I would always think of him. A walk of faith is one of incredible beauty, but also pain. Those roads were a comfort to us in seasons of strain and suffering. I first looked into the animal eyes of eating disorders there. It's where we learned friends of ours had been drugged, had been raped. It's where we went to recover after discovering that our church and Jesus did not always have the same things in mind. We broke up our band on those rides, multiple times, trying to save our relationship with our drummer. And we discovered the many ways in which we were the problem. We reached the end of ourselves there, skipping like a track, wailing on repeat for the places words don't easily go. I believe the route was the first place I ever had the space to take my life and my faith seriously, to integrate the two without judgment. In this place, there was room for all of my emotions and my thoughts. Where there's love, things don't need to be hidden. During those years, I experienced a special communion with the Holy Spirit and my closest friends in those thousands of hours. We sang, we screamed, we cried, and we laughed. Our dreams lived there. I wish my church experiences were more like this. I want there to be more room for emotions, more room for earnestness and honesty. Why do churches have so many rigid norms attached to them? Come wearing your Sunday best. Put on your happy face. Play your part. Why does there have to be so much fronting? Unfortunately, I believe it's because the whole system is built on it. Over and over again, I have pushed against a system that regularly fights to protect the status quo. It's a system designed to reward frontsmanship. 
Why are people's presentation of their life more important than the life they actually lead outside the walls of church? I don't know how many are aware, or even care for that matter, but there is a massive crisis in the church. Young people are leaving in mass, and they're not coming back. And I think this fake culture is one of the predominant forces driving this exodus. Churches have become culturally isolated and irrelevant. I have come to know them to be predictable and contrived. When I walk into a traditional Sunday church, almost without fail, I will hear a version of two dozen or so messages that every church seems to know and regurgitate. I know too many men that are another person until they step up before God and man and put on their pastor's hat. Inevitably, there is a particular tone, a set of inflections employed to move the people's hearts. And many of the people who have walked away can see it. We can predict when the pastor is going to quiet his voice, when he's going to go down to a whisper, when he's going to cry. We've heard all of your pithy statements and your old stories, and we want them to stop. As important as the route is to me, I never really bothered to learn the names of the major streets and highways circling our town. Even today, my directional incompetence is something my wife and my friends are painfully aware of. And I only have the names now because Nate sat me down with a map and laid the whole thing out before my parents moved away. The remaining route consists of three highways surrounding our town, 90, 22, and 14. Then we're back home. I didn't know how to go by map or name, but the way to go got in my bones. When you drive down those roads long enough, they become part of you. The church, the real church, is what I found on the route. And the problem for me is that church got in my bones. It changed me. It's a part of me. And my unfortunate experience has been that Van Jesus and the institutional church are too often opposing kingdoms. I want unity, and I don't want to be in a state of constant opposition. But by living out my convictions, the ones cultivated on the route, I have been forced time and time again to the fringes. Over the years, I've been a part of many faith communities. And I'm grateful for all the things on paper we agree on. But still, often at a service, I'll find myself in a moment of stillness, of quiet. And I'm left wanting. I'm left feeling alone in a crowd. And I can't shake the deep inclination that I'm carrying a different message than those around me. I see things differently. My scale doesn't look like theirs. I have different values and I speak another language. It's in those moments I find myself yearning for the route, yearning for it to be where I am now. There were many times when we would drive for hours with nothing in particular in mind. 
Maybe we would stop by the local quick trip, just off the highway to grab a snack, a sandwich, or a cup of soup. (sighs) There was so much soup. And I'm not joking when I tell you that, that it was a problem. Regardless, all we wanted was to be in the car and to be there together. During those years of my life, I had a unique opportunity to walk in the garden. For me, it was a small piece of heaven on earth cruising around our town. And it makes me sad when I think about this because it's something that I am currently without. I do not know where to find the garden in the town in the season I am in. I've not gone looking for it or even given it enough space in my life. Though, since being married and becoming a father, our navy blue couch has become a real contender. So much life happens there. I get to read and play with my son on that couch and share late night conversations with my wife. These are also things I deeply cherish. But I want to be fully alive. I want to sing new songs and scream them until my lungs give out. I want to offer up my tears, my laughter, and my love to others. I want to continue becoming a better man. I can't make church more relevant. I can't stop its hypocrisy. I can't even get most church people to understand where I'm coming from. I'm out of control. So I'm going to find church where I've always found it. In the temple of my heart. I want to cultivate gardens in the ordinary spaces of my life. Whether walking around town, cruising the route, or on my couch. I will seek to encounter God there. Because that's where I've always found Him. Faith belongs outside the walls of a church. Believe me, the hour comes when neither in this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. That station wagon, those vans and cars were our sanctuary. Passing through the press of adolescence on those formative routes we took, Jesus and his Spirit were with us. Even today, and through my many times of doubt, I look back on the route and can't deny what I experienced there. I heard God's voice, and I encountered Him working in my life. Beyond my years living in that town and the dreams I had there, I have faced more challenges and pain than I ever hoped to experience. I no longer live near the route or the people I shared it with. Those streets... And those highways, though, will always be significant to me. They have become road signs, markings, leading me back to myself whenever I lose my way. Don't waste your on time.